Lord bless everyone, and today we're just going to study one verse in 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. This is going to be our main focus in today's program, even though we will have music and the Bible reading and trivia and everything. But I just want us to focus on this. Casting all your cares upon him, upon God, upon Jesus. For he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that we may cast our cares today upon you and have you deal with the situation because of us on our own, we can't do it, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for more confidence, for more hope in you, Lord God. That, Lord God, our strength is in you and our hope is in you. And not in ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start off with a song, and then we'll continue with the message.
Hallelujah. Glory be to God. In the Amplified Bible, in 1 Peter 5, 7, I love the way it states, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and washes over you very carefully. I love what it says here. Um, the way God cares for us. You know, it, it doesn't say just your cares, your worries, your anxieties, and all your concern. Every single thing that you're worried about right now, brothers and sisters, just cast it upon him. He cares for you. It's not that he's not concerned about you. Yes, he cares for you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this. Your anxiety your worries that that that's that that's that's hindering you from trusting God. It's telling you, hey, start being thankful in your prayers. Start remembering what God has done in the past. He who is faithful in the past is faithful in the future, and is faithful in the present. This is not God that changes. This is why we have to come to Him with thanksgiving to remember to remind us. Oh, he's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. You could trust in him. He is the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. And what's the Holy Spirit called? He's called the Spirit of truth. And what's the Father called? You know, the true God. Oh, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand something. The God that we believe in, the God that we have placed our trust, our hope in him. He's faithful and we're not to be worried about things that is under his care. All brothers and sisters, we have to we have to put this in our head. Look at what Matthew six verse twenty five to thirty four says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek. Or we could say the pagans seek. 
for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day its own trouble. Oh, let's not worry about things that is under God's care. <clears throat> Too often we, we put our mind on earthly things and we forget that God is sovereign. He is in control of it. Everything. You know, nothing is going to happen to you that's not out of God's control. And he could turn your evil situation to something good. Genesis 50. What did Joseph said? Oh, you meant evil for me, but God meant it for good. Oh, brothers and sisters, even our evil that's done in our lives, the evil that's done in our lives, God could change them to something good to serve his purpose. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm not going to worry about my day. Oh, it's in God's hand. I'm not going to worry about doing this or that. Yes, I do my part in things. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to one. I'm not the one who's going to bring it forth. I'm not the one that's going to bring it to pass. We have to understand God is the one. With God, all things are possible. Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority is given unto me. Go there and make disciples. We have to understand we serve an awesome God, a powerful God, a God that can give us peace in the midst of our situations. And there are some things that we have to go through suffering in this life. It builds our character and it shows us the faithfulness of God in the midst of it. There are many times we ask God, take us out of situation where that very situation is building your character, is making you into a better image for God's service. <clears throat> and when I look back at all the sufferings I've been through, you know what I think? I thank God that I went through these situations. I thank God for times where I did not know where I would live. I thank God for times where I had to completely put my trust in him because it was out of my hands. I just thank God for that because seeing everything through, God was in control. I was in his hands and I still am in his hands and no one could take me away from his hands. He is the potter. I am the clay. And he will mold us in the image that he wants us to be, which is his own image. Let's go to another song. Holy and Anointed One. Jesus, holy and 
Psalms 27, verse 13 and 14, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is the great problem that we have in today's society. We want everything now, done now, and people are having a problem with waiting, and yet waiting is what produces patience, endurance in the Christian life. And we have to wait on the Lord. And waiting gives us strength to wait again on the Lord. And and as we wait, we see God's hand in action. There was a year I was waiting for the government to, to cover a hole that was on a bridge that anyone could fall down three stories down. Three or four stories down. <clears throat> I prayed about it. I called the government office and I did as much things as possible to cover that hole, to get that done. 
And guess what? A whole year passed and nothing. But I kept on praying on it and I kept on doing it. I kept on putting stuff there so nobody would get hurt. About a month ago, out of the blue, the hole got covered. The government did something. But it took them so long. I did not see God's hand at work while I was praying at times because I thought somebody would have to get hurt to to the government to do something. But thankfully, thank Jesus that no one got hurt and that that prayer was answered. But it took a whole year for it to be answered. God was at work even when I wasn't seeing it with my eyes. The visible God's hands was at work, God's visible hands. We read in Psalms 37, verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalms 55, verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalms 56, verse 3 and 4 says, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Understand something too. People cannot really kill a Christian. They could kill your body, but they're only changing your location from earth to heaven. But the Christian does not die because they have eternal life in Jesus Christ. But the worldly person can't say that. The person that doesn't have Christ, they can't say they have everlasting life. Yes, when it refers to life, everyone has an everlasting life. Everyone has a soul and a spirit. But guess what? The everlasting means quality. A quality of life. The Christian has everlasting, a good quality of life after death. Oh, they'll go to heaven, but the unbeliever will go to hell. And that's not a good quality of life. Oh, brothers and sisters, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you trust him for your salvation, trust him for your life, for your needs as well. Casting your burdens upon him for he cares for you. He cares for you and he will not forsake you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, he will not forsake you or leave you. Ain't that awesome that um, that that promise that God will not leave us or forsake us. He's with us, just like we see in Joseph. Um, Joseph was sold as a slave, but God was with him. Joseph was put into prison, but God was with him. And if God is with you, he's going to make your way to prosper. Oh, he may make you prosper financially or spiritually, whichever suits his purpose for you. You're not your master. God is. So stop worrying about what's going to happen to you. Nothing bad is going to happen to you that is not out of God's control. And if it is something bad, it will be used for his glory. In the end, it will be something great. Oh, before the 
the clay becomes a pot, it has to be put to the oven. It will have to be shaped and molded. And that is what God does with our lives, brothers and sisters. Anyway, before we continue, let's go to another song.
You know, when in the Psalm, Psalms 55, verse 22, when he says to cash, that word in the Hebrew is shalak, which means to throw, to cast, to hurl, to fling, to cast down, um, to be thrown, um, to be thrown away, down, forth, plucked. You know, it, it means it's not with you anymore. Because you threw it out. It is not in your possession anymore. So the Bible is clear, brothers and sisters. It is extremely clear. You are to do that with your burdens, with, with your anxiety, with the things that bothers you in this life. Cast your burden, the thing that weights you down on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He is able to sustain you. I've said it before. People are like glass. When you, when you cast your burden on certain people, you know what happens? Sometimes it's good to have somebody you could share your troubles with, you know. <clears throat> but many people, you can't. Because many people are like glass. You lean too hard on them, they're going to shatter. But not God. He can hold your weight, brothers and sisters. And now when we look at 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it says casting. That, that Greek word, let's look at the Greek word. That Greek word is, it's the word ep epripto. It means to throw upon, to place upon. You know, you throw upon, you place upon. There's some, um, someone also said that means to roll it over. But it's not no longer in your possession. You know, this is the problem with many of us. You know, we give our burdens to God, and then we're like, hey God, I can carry it. And God's like, no, I want to carry it. Just like Simeon carried the cross for Jesus. Jesus is asking you to carry your cross, to carry your burden. The thing that hungs down on you that you can't do it. Take Christ's burden upon you and don't take the burden of your life. Take his yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, when... when when he talks about yoke, it was put upon oxen, two oxen, to carry the weight. And when it comes to Christ's yoke, all the weight is upon Christ. All you have to do is follow and trust. You know, what's the word faith? Faith is the, in the Greek is the word pistis, and it means to trust. You know, there's one thing. <clears throat> Knowing a share could hold your weight. Um, head knowledge. It's quite another to actually sit on that share and have it hold your weight. So when you're casting your cares, your burden upon Christ, you're, you're not just believing it holds you. You're actually sitting on the share and showing forth, I truly do believe. It's not just a mental knowledge. Oh no, it's it's proven. It's experiments. It's an experimental knowledge. It's a knowledge that you experience apart from believing. 
of trusting is experimental knowledge. <clears throat> uh, brothers and sisters, there's so much more to, to talk about this. But we'll leave to another song and then we'll go to our Bible reading fellowship. Let's go to All to Jesus I Surrender. And, and, and that is what we need to do. You know, there was something that I was worried about. You know, and I kept on saying to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, I give it to you. And then I would lift the burden back up. You know what? I'm no longer doing that, brothers and sisters, and so should you. Give it to Jesus and let the peace of God, which surpasses every understanding, guard your heart through Christ Jesus. You know, there's peace with God, and we have that in Jesus Christ. We have grace. We have salvation, peace with God. And then there's the peace of God, which is just knowing that God's in control. And that is what we have to have in our lives, the peace of God, knowing that he is in control of everything.
praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let's go to our Bible reading fellowship time. We're in Exodus chapter 19. So you can follow along in the King James Bible. But when we read the New Testament, we usually read it in the New Living Translation. Chapter 19. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings, and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, 
The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargedst us, saying, Set bounds about the mount, and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people, and spake unto them. It's our Bible trivia time, and we're asking questions in Exodus chapter 19. The children of Israel came to the wilderness of what? Was it the wilderness of Horeb, Iraq, Golgotha, or was it Sinai? Again, the question is, the children of Israel came to the wilderness of what? Was it Horeb, Ararat, Golgotha, or was it Sinai? And the answer is, it was the, the wilderness of Sinai. Um, Exodus 19, verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sin. I kind of forgot the pronunciation of this. Sinai. Sinai. Okay, forgive me for that. It was just a brief second that happened. Okay, the Lord called to Moses out of what? The sea, the mountain, the cave, or the sky? Again, the Lord called to Moses out of what? The sea, the mountain, the cave, or the sky? And the answer is out of the mountain. Exodus 19, verse 3. And Moses went up unto the God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain. You know, sometimes we, our brains become completely blanked, and that's what just happened just uh, moments ago. The Lord said, I bear you in my palms, on eagles' wings, on a cloud, in the wind. Again, the question is, the Lord said to Israel, I bear you. And what's the answer? In my palms, in, on eagles' wings, on a cloud, or in the wind. And the answer is, on eagles' wings. Exodus 19, verse 4, ye have been... I repeat myself, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bared you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Last question. The Lord said, tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did before time, throughout eternity, in the heavens or to the Egyptians. And the answer is, to the Egyptians, Exodus 19, verse 4. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. Hallelujah. Let's go now to another song. And we will go to the song, Living Waters.
Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, 
Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. This reading is from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Incorporated. Hallelujah. Um, that was Luke chapter 24. We're going to go to one more song, and then we'll go to Mr. Kagalides' short story time. Let's go to Awesome God. Because our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above me.
Now let's go to Mr. Kakalidi short story time. Today's story is quite a new one. It's the sheep that fell in love with Mr. Wolf. Basically here you, you'll get a lesson. Um, not to be with an unbeliever or not to be equally yoked together with an unbeliever. That's the point of this story. There was once a flock of sheep which were loved very dearly by their shepherd named Robert. Of these sheep there was one named Linda who wanted a husband but she felt she couldn't find him among the fold. And she was very tired of waiting for the shepherd to find her one in his time. She waited as the days, weeks and months passed so she decided to take matters into her own hands. She tried to flirt and even ask the other sheeps out, but it appeared that there was no one who was either single or her type among the herd. She didn't know Robert the shepherd had one for her, but he was a lamb and needed to mature just a little more. But Linda was determined, she wanted a husband now and wasn't willing to wait. As night came as all the sheep were sleeping with the shepherd, Linda escaped from the flock and said if I can't find him among the flock of sheep I will find him among the wolves and convert him to a sheep. This is a crazy idea Linda thought to herself but I am desperate for love as the sheep slept Linda trimmed a number of sheep's hair and put it in a bag till she thought she had enough but a little from each sheep so the shepherd wouldn't take notice and she went her way to find a husband among the wolves and convert him to a sheep That night there was a wolf not that far from the sheep less than half a mile away that was planning to attack kill and eat the sheep but couldn't find a way of getting to them without being detected by either the shepherd or his faithful bearded collie which was his shepherd dog watching the sheep as the shepherd slept This wolf was the leader of the pack which was a little farther off in the cave as he started thinking and imagining the best way to do his plan He felt a tapping on his back which made him jump and faint due to fear that he was caught. And it was Linda who once she saw him on the floor started to glue sheep's hair on the poor Mr. Wolf and waking him up with a kiss told him you will be my hubby. Shocked at what he heard and looking at his skin which was covered in sheep's hair he said, "Am I sheep?" "No," she replied, "but I will convert you to one for I want a husband and I can't find him among my flock." Suddenly the wolf got a idea how he was to be among the flock without being detected but how he was to tell the other wolves without being their prey didn't cross his mind since he was now looking like a sheep so he told her to accompany him to his cave but Linda wasn't willing till he first met her parents and shepherd first because she thought to herself he will be convert to a sheep but not knowing Mr. Wolf was deceiving her with his charm as he looked at her with his pale yellow eyes and said There is enough time for that. Let's go and meet my parents since I am so happy I found you. You are more sweeter to me than dinner time. He convinced her. And having his arm around her shoulder, he gave her a warm embrace. Although he said in his mind, "This feels good, but eating her will feel even better since I am hungry." Let her embrace my tummy from the inside when we get in the cave. As the two went in the cave, they was jumped upon by the savage hungry wolves as prey. Mr. Wolf tried to take his sheep's wool off but couldn't in time, but all he could do is yell. So both were eaten alive. As morning began to dawn, the shepherd awoke and brought the new sheep among the herd, a perfect husband for Linda, one who surpassed every other sheep in beauty and physique. But Linda couldn't be found among the flock as the shepherd called Linda to come. So the moral of the lesson is in your desperateness for a mate. Don't search for them among the wolves or better said unbelievers for in God's time he will bring you the one you was longing for if you just wait on him
Psalms 27-14 Wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, wait I say on the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14-15 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Hallelujah. Let's go to one more song and then we'll pray and we'll finish.
Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we are finishing this podcast today. Bless everyone that heard this podcast. Bless them spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. Let them be doers of the word and not just hearers of it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.